That is good. Say with you the keys of the kingdom. Say it again. Say keys. Go with you to Matthew 16 verse 19. I'm finishing this morning. I'm just touching quickly on what we did last week, but I'm just, I'm finishing this morning. And I will go, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not finishing with the series, by the way, just finishing with the message that we started last week. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Say with me, keys. So keys are laws, keys are principles. It's uh, keys is a system, it is a network. Keys is uh, gives you access. Keys comes by revelation. Are you guys with me? Keys are access points to gates, or keys is keys to gates, doors, it's access points to portals, to dimensions of heaven. Are you guys with me? So I want you to at, uh, encounter to, and many of you will understand the language. That's why we preach the messages we do. Some people say, but you know, I won't grow the church if I carry on preaching these messages. I cannot preach something that is for me surface level. Uh, we'll do that at some times or some points or maybe in the cell groups. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we preach, we want to preach death to you, want to give meat to you. If you get milk all the time, you stay a baby. You get meat, you begin to grow muscles, you begin to grow up. Revelation is meat. It begins to grow you up. Are you guys with me? So uh, there are three, key, three orders of keys. In fact, I'm going to go to four. There are keys of the kingdom, uh, keys of death, hell and the grave, keys of Hades, keys of knowledge, and then the last one, the key of David. So the key of David. So that's supposed to actually to be an order of itself. It's the same way as there are orders of angels, which we have. The first order is seraphim, cherubims, and thrones. The second orders are dominion, virtues, and powers. The third order are principalities, archangels, and angels. Are you guys with me? So there are orders of Orders of angels in heaven. Those are just angels, not even creatures, not human beings, not saints. In the, and I'll maybe be opening up another message next week when it comes to uh, where you see in the Old Testament how the Lord came with 10,000 of His saints. Not speaking of the saints in Revelation. That He had a city of Zion in the Old Testament where He came from that city on the earth with His 10,000 saints, not angels not humans, to fight a battle and a war. Are you guys with me? This, this is Old Testament. This is what happened there. I, uh, okay. I, I know people can go a little bit uh, silent. I think maybe next year we have to open up again disembodied spirits, Nephilim, pre-Adamic, so that people can understand because otherwise we throw out these points of revelation. They're like, where are you coming from? Well, you're, you're a false teacher. This is all in our Bible school, by the way. Okay, and uh, we believe in pre-Adamic, we believe in uh, uh, demons are not fallen angels. They are locked with chains. Are you, are you guys with me? If they are bound with chains, the fallen angels, in the bottomless pit, how can they be demons that are roaming around? Are, are you guys with me? So we know that demons are looking for a body because they once had a body. They are disembodied spirits. They were the offspring of the fallen angels. 
that came and slept with the daughters of men. Very clear in Scripture. And they were cursed by God to become evil spirits. To so say you shall roam on this earth and be an evil spirit and look for bodies to dwell in. And I'll open up those things next year. That is where we have to touch on one verse in the book of Enoch, which I don't want to uh, do yet because people might uh, fall off their seats. There are many extra biblical books which are not biblical. There are many Gnostic books which are not biblical. And I warn people against it all the time. Are you guys with me? You have the book of New Testament of Solomon, which is a full-on satanic book. You have other Gnostic books, which are Gnosticism. It brings in pseudo-spiritualism. Pseudo it's what they call not even apocryphal books, but pseudographical books, something like that. It's a word that is difficult to pronounce, but it's pseudo-books. Uh, but then there are books that of verified canon scripture has just been removed. And the two of them that we can comfortably announce from the pulpit is the book of Enoch and the book of Jubilee. Okay. So uh, it's not going to do anything to your salvation. So don't worry. It'll just make things a bit more interesting. Okay. It's not going to lose your salvation. It's definitely not going to give you salvation. But it put things into context. Why? Because the writers of the New Testament quoted with inspired speech from the book of Enoch. Jesus quoted out of these books. Are you guys with me? So yes, there has been a development of Scripture where they have removed certain books because of just personalities that were offended by them. That is why they removed them. And in fact, uh, um, I think that we're busy working on the book. I think we must add that kind of like concept in. How they changed the Bible, just why they removed some and why some are actually part of the Bible so that we can just have that in the book. I thought of that yesterday. So we're working on a big 300-page book for you on, on, the, on how to study the Word of God and how to exactly go through the Word within 28 days, about 300 pages. So um, and we're going to be releasing it when we do a whole series of the Word the first month of, of the year, January. Okay, so... Um, so say with you the keys. So the key of the kingdom, and I'm not going to go through everything. We spoke on the key of dominion. Are you guys with me? I'm just going to recap the key of dominion. Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them have, say with me, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and, and over every creeping thing over the cattle of the earth and over every creeping thing. Uh, so he says, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion. This is the key of dominion. Adam was given the key of dominion to rule the earth from the Garden of Eden. But he failed to do so because he stayed in the garden. He never left until he was kicked out. You cannot rule something unless... The Bible says, fill and multiply and subdue the earth. God gave the command to Adam. But Adam, how could you subdue the earth and you stay in the same garden? You were supposed to go out to the earth. He never did it. Okay, so he never applied the key of dominion in his life and Satan took it. We also see there's a difference between the garden of God and the garden of Eden. Lucifer ruled from the garden of God. Adam ruled from the garden of Eden. Are you guys with me? The garden of God, the book of Ezekiel says, Oh Lucifer, you were in the garden of God. The garden of God is separate from the garden of Eden. Lucifer, when he fell, he came out of the garden of God. But he could go into the garden of Eden because he was a cherubim. The garden of Eden was protected by cherubims with swords. 
Satan could get in because he was a cherubim, but he had no sword. Are you guys with me? So what did he have to do? He had to seduce Adam and Eve by his words. Seduction always comes by words. Of a believer that is full of gossip or offended and they begin to whisper into your ears. Seduction comes by words. Are you guys with me? Words create suggestive thoughts. And tells a person, maybe I must leave the church. Maybe I must just stop serving God. It is seductive thoughts. Uh, that's come from words. Nowhere have those thoughts just come up. Somebody whispered it. Somebody spoke it. Are you guys with me? So we see how uh, 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 the garden of God, the garden of Eden. So the, let me explain like this. The garden of God was the garden that ruled the previous world. That Satan ruled this previous world from. Previous world was the word, world before the first flood, not the second flood. Uh, before the earth was destroyed in Genesis 1 verse 2. So that world, which Peter says we have, a, we, have a, we have a world that was, a world that is, and a world that is to come. Three worlds. So there was a world that was, that was the pre-Adamic world. Satan ruled that world from the garden of God. Then Adam was given the garden of Eden to rule the world from there. Are you guys with me? He gave the key of dominion back to Satan. Satan came back in. That is why the Bible calls him the God of this age. That is why the Lord has to come in to this world. Please understand that when it was the garden of Eden, when Adam had the key, how did God come onto the earth? He simply came and walked in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says he came and walked in the cool of the day. Why is God not walking in the cool of the day today? Why did he have to come through a virgin birth of Mary? Because Adam was no longer the ruler of that world. And when I say a ruler, I'm not saying in the place of God. Please understand, he was a manager under God as the CEO. He was a council member, a son of God. If you learned, if you listened to me live stream and last week, you would understand a little bit of what I'm saying. But the Bible says that the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord. And Satan was found in the midst of them. Psalm 82, God is standing in the midst of other gods. Elohim is standing in the midst of other Elohim. Why did Satan have to present himself to the Lord? The word present means to give an account. Why did Satan have to give an account to God if he was fallen? Because he was still the manager an acting manager. Are you guys with me? So, so, so God could walk when Adam was ruling. But when Adam gave the key of dominion to Lucifer, to Satan, we see the whole world shift. Then the Lord said to Moses, listen, you need to build a tabernacle now for me to come and dwell in. And there need to be cherubims on the, on the Ark of the Covenant. For my presence to be protected. Why? Because if Satan can find my presence just like that, he will steal it. That's why they stole the Ark of the Covenant. Are you guys with me? And the enemy took it to their camp, the Philistines. And then we also see that uh, Uzzah, who just touched the Ark, died. Because it was unauthorized access. There are levels of the presence and levels of energy. And I must speak of energy in a new age where I'm speaking of energy as in the energy of heaven. The power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me? 
and uh, that we're going to get into tonight here on the location and the energy of God. Why some are at a certain level, others at another level. Why certain things don't work, why some things do work. How God works. How do you get energy? Energized. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless it is energized, it doesn't happen. How do you see angels being energized? Are you guys with me? Energy comes through prayer and fasting and a thing called the location of God. And we'll take it out of Scripture. So, now God can't rule the earth. Yes, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But He has a manager in place there. And He has put laws in that they run the world. So He has to come in through a human being. First He said to Moses, build me a tabernacle and my presence will dwell there. Now we're getting to the key of His presence. Are you guys with me? And then He said, no, 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 but you know, uh, the tabernacle was there. But then Christ came as a substitute, sneaked into the world. Please understand that. Are you guys with me? Jesus sneaked into the world because God had to find a loophole to say, how am I going to get into the system legally by my word and be able to bring salvation to mankind? And he found a way. That is why Satan is going to copy him when it comes to the Antichrist. Are you guys with me? So he came in like that. Christ, God came onto the earth because there's different dimensions and so on. Brought salvation. But now he said, the ark is inside of you. The tabernacle is inside of you. The holy of holies is inside of you. So wherever you go, you carry my presence. So the key of the presence of God, are you guys with me, is that he now is not only finding his abode in a temple or an ark or the Garden of Eden as it was present previously, but he's finding his abode in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Are you guys with me? Say with me location. Everything is about location because Christ is in us. So we are a location. But we are supposed to be in Christ also. And a lot of believers are not in Christ, but Christ is in them. Or they are in Christ and Christ is not in them. And they are not walking in the fullness of what God has for them. Are you guys with me? So we see the key of the presence is when we get into the presence of God and we become a carrier of His presence. Uh, go, with me to, go with me to Mark chapter number 11 verse 23. And I'm going to go through the different keys quickly, just very short. Say with you the key of faith. So I'm touching now on the keys of the kingdom. We'll get now to keys of death and the keys of knowledge and the key of David. And I'll finish on time. It'll be very quick. So, but now I'm just giving you subtitles or sub keys that is in the keys of the kingdom. Say the key of faith. Mark 11 verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, say with he believes, but have faith in the things that he says will not will be done. He will have whatever he says. Say with me, he will have whatever he says. Go with me to, uh, let, me, let me just go through to verse, uh, Mark 11 verse 22. So just before this verse, Mark 11 verse 22. So Jesus answered them, 
and said, have faith. Say with me, have faith in God. Let me, let me explain what was happening here. Uh, 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 let, me read. let me read from verse 20. Verse 20. Let me explain to you what was happening. Say fig tree. There was a fig tree in the Garden of Eden also. So we have the tree of knowledge. We have the tree of life. And we have the tree, the fig tree in the garden. All three represented something. The tree of life is eternal life. It will make you as God. The tree of knowledge of good and evil opens your eyes and gives you access to knowledge. Uh, uh, then the tree of the fig tree gives you the ability to cover up and it brought in the law. Even though Moses established the law, only thousands of years later, the tablets was given to Moses and we call it the Mosaic law. That law was already instituted and brought into the garden by the serpent. Are you guys with me? The serpent said, uh, 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 it, it, the Lord said, who told you you are naked? Not why did you eat the fruit? Who told you you are naked? He said the serpent did. Meaning who told you that you are not measuring up to what you should be? Who told you that you have sin in your life? Who told you that you are not covered in an area? He brought the law in. And that law gave birth of the more sin and law. Are you guys with me? So what did Adam and Eve do? After they sinned, they went to get more law. They grabbed the fig tree leaves, which is symbolic of the law. And they covered themselves up. So Jesus came here and the, He cursed the fig tree. And the next morning, it says, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Next verse. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Let me tell you, when it comes to the law, Jesus cursed it. He became a curse upon the cross. Are you guys with me? Anybody that moves and operates in the law is cursed. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You're not Jews. You are Gentiles. If you're saying I'm of Jewish, this ah, okay. You are a Gentile, meaning believe and you shall be saved. Yeah, repentance come there. All, but the main thing is the Gentiles had to go through the system of the kingdom. Jesus said to him, unless you receive the kingdom of God, you cannot see, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Unless you are born again, uh, born of the spirit and the water, you cannot enter the kingdom. And he gave them this whole procedure on how to enter the kingdom. He comes to the Gentiles. He says, the kingdom is in you. I believe and you will operate in what we call the gospel of grace. The fact that you and I are sitting here is due to an interlude that Paul received. It was, Jesus came not preaching to you. Jesus came preaching to the lost sheep of Israel. Then Paul came, was taken up to third heavens, given a revelation of the church, of the rapture, of the mystery of marriage, of the mystery of salvation for the Gentiles. Peter was given the vision that they will be saved the Gentiles, but Paul was given the ministry to the Gentiles. Are you guys with me? So Paul brought this ministry to the Gentiles that, hey, you don't have to do anything. You just believe. And that belief empowers you 
to become holy. The next subject somewhere we're going to come on is holiness because people think holiness is by law and works. No, you get empowered to become holy. Once you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you, the results will be holiness. If it is not, you haven't encountered Him. If you don't want to live for God, you have had no encounter with Him. Are, are you guys with me? So say with you the key of faith. So it says, go back to the verse where I was. So they cursed, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Next, next verse. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In fact, it means this. It says, have the faith of God. So we see how this is a key. The centurion whose servant needed healing came to Jesus and said, my servant needs healing. Just speak a word. Jesus said, okay, I'll come to him. He says, no, Lord. Just speak a word. And I know my servant would be healed. It's what we call speaking faith. The spirit of faith. It's the key of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Are you guys with me? Do you know your Bible? Not. After the end of January, you must. Otherwise, uh, after you get that book, if not, then you're not part of encounter. Okay. Say, now faith is the substance of things and the evidence of things. Okay. So faith is the key and the activator to get that which you hope for and bring it into the natural. It is the substance of the thing. Are you guys with me? So the moment you pray for somebody for healing, it is faith that brings that healing. Nothing else. Not hope. The moment you lay your hands, you say, God, I just hope you heal this person. They are not healed. Faith is the substance and the key. Are you guys with me? Say with me the key of faith. Say the key of the anointing. The anointing is another key. The anointing gives you signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus said in Luke 4 verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Are you guys with me? To bring, to open the eyes of the blind. To set at liberty those who are bound. To set free the captives. Say with you the key of the anointing. The anointing will cause you to preach. The anointing will cause you to heal the sick. You see, there's a difference. I can just stand in and talk like this. And talking like I did earlier, if I just talk and have a conversation. But then the unction can come on me to preach. Or there's an unction to teach. To open up and rightly divide Scripture. And have the ability to put Scripture into Scripture. And open up things. There's an, and there'll be a tangible anointing. Or there'll be a touching of your spirit that'll cause a leaping to come. Are you guys with me? Only revelation does that. So, uh, 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 uh. say with me the key of a man of God. Jesus made it sure that when he said, then the scripture says that he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. Ephesians chapter number four, verse somewhere, seven, eight, maybe eight. I don't have to put it on. But he ascended on high. Say with me, on high. Tonight we're speaking about the location of God. There's a place where God lives. 
There's a place where we need to live. It is the place called north, the place called high. When Jesus was ascended on high, gifts came out of him. When you ascend on high, gifts will come out of you to others. It is the place where you receive the gifts. Are you guys with me? It is a place of heights. So Jesus, when he was ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. These gifts were the extension gifts of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. The extension gifts. It is an extension of His body to plant the local church. For the church to become an ecclesia. The word ecclesia is a governmental secret group. No, no, a governmental elite group that allows laws, uh, uh, regulations, and so on to be changed or put in place. But it is also a representation of the king or the president. The ecclesia, the word where Jesus got the ecclesia from, it was a political term of the Roman Empire in those days, in those days, where they had a special elite group that would make the laws, rules and regulations, approve them or disapprove them and set them into the nation. And they would be a representation of uh, Caesar. Are you guys with me? So, so, so Jesus takes that word the same way he took the word apostle. He took it from apostolos, which comes from Alexander the Great, which is to send apostles into the nations. And Alexander the Great did it in groups of 12. So Jesus said, let me get, take a group of 12. So he would take words that people already understood in that culture. So when they heard Ecclesia, they immediately knew. When he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, against the Ecclesia, they knew exactly what he was speaking about. When he says, I will build my Ecclesia on the rock. They knew what he was talking about. It wasn't just a little building with a church and a steeple. It was an elite group that would come and set an atmosphere, change policies, regulations. Are you guys with me? So when he put an extension of his gifts, into the body. He says, listen, my ecclesia needs to go on. So wherever the local church is going to be planted, there's going to be a gift there that's going to be like an extension of me to cause the church to grow. Do I say I am Christ or other men of God are Christ? No. Are we extension of Him? Yes. Are the extensions of the other fivefold gifts sitting here? Yes. You just need to discover it. You need to have an encounter with God. It needs to be activated. It needs to be matured and trained up with me. So the gift, the key, say with you the key of a man of God. So we see how Elisha came to bitter waters and all he did, he took salt. Nobody could do anything. They called every priest, every man of God, anybody that they think was someone and nothing could have been done against the waters. Elisha comes, he takes salt puts it in the water and is healed. Are you guys with me? Uh, uh, uh. Elisha comes at the school of the prophets. They said, we have to enlarge the place. He said, enlarge it for the sons of the prophets. And the one prophet, son of the prophet that was 
cutting off a tree, his axe head flicked off and fell into the waters. And as his axe head fell into the waters, he cried out, he says, Alas, my master, the axe head was borrowed. And Elisha came and uh, he took a stick, threw it upon the water where the axe head fell. And then your scripture says this, we're not going to turn there, but you can go to your Bible. Uh, if, you, if you want to, uh, if you don't believe the statement I'm going to make. The scripture then says these words, quote, unquote, He, Elisha, made the axe head float. It doesn't say God made the axe head float. Why? Because God chose to be an extension in Him. Are, are you guys with me? That son of a prophet there could have prayed for that access to come up. It wouldn't have come up. They could have fasted for that access to come up. It wouldn't have come up. But he had the key of a man of God. That could simply just do an action. Are you guys with me? And the solution would be there. We see another situation. Go with me in the scripture to 1 Kings chapter number, uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17 verse 10. 1 Kings chapter 17 verse 10. So listen to this. This is, uh, this is, this is uh, again, uh, this, is, this is Elijah that is meeting the widow as Zarephath uh, who had nothing left. Now listen to this. She was about to die. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, listen to this. I want you to take careful attention to this. Uh, 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 uh. He called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. That's fine. Next verse. What is this thing that, that, that ministers always ask of money? Well, the next, okay. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread. Say with me, bread. bread. In your hands. I want you to listen to this. Say with me, he is a prophet. When he said, I want you to bring me water, she could bring him what she had. But when he said, bring me a bread, she didn't have any bread. But what she didn't understand was when the prophet spoke and said, bring me a bread, the miracle was already done. Because next verse, go on to the next verse. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. Hold on. Are you guys with me? Stay with me. A flour and oil. She had flour and oil. She saw flour and oil. Yet the prophet saw bread. Are you guys with me? And he was already prophesying to her without her knowing. She was trying to give an excuse. No, I can't. I already told you, you have bread in your hand. I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself, my son, that we may eat and die. He says, do not fear. Go and as you have said, but make me first a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make yourself and your son. And remember, he didn't say die. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. 
So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. So through the word of Elijah. The Western culture today and South African religious believers today just want to do the word of the Lord. They can't even hear the word of a man, but they want to hear and do the word of the Lord. Sometimes a prophet will just say, do one, two, three. And they want to go do five, six, five, seven, five, six, seven. They want to do it their way. And then they wonder, but why is God not? And a prophet doesn't have to say, you know, let me just pray now and thus saith the Lord. No, no, no. Just, I think you should do one, two, three. That is it. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her husband ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Say with you the key of a man of God. Once people understand what there is when it comes to a local church. Now I know there's been many misrepresentations of some churches. No power, no presence, no activities, no supernatural activities, and people lose their faith. Why do we minister in power? Paul said, I do not come to you with persuasive words of human wisdom, but I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith may not be in the wisdom of man, but will be in the power of God. So he says, listen here, I demonstrate power so that your faith can be in that and not in me. And people that just speak by enticing words of human wisdom, people's faith begin to be in them and they, it's useless. Are you guys with me? So through the key of a man of God. So God can make men and women of God keys to open up doors for you or not. But where is this? I'm going to pull out another scripture in another part of this sermon. And I've got uh, five minutes. Stay with me. And I'm going to jump a few keys here. Say with the key of the name of Jesus. In my name. Jesus says, you may ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. Are you guys with me? One, uh, John 14 verse 12. You don't have to turn there, but John 14 verse 12. Ask, say with me, ask me anything. In my name. And he says, I will do it. Why do we find in Matthew 7 verse 21, where others, they said, Lord, Lord, have we not cast the demons out in your name? Have we not done mighty miracles in your name? Meaning his name even worked for, and Jesus says, depart from me, I do not know you. Meaning the name of Jesus worked for those who didn't even know God. It is a key. Are you guys with me? Couple that with faith and you'll see answers. The name of Jesus is not just a thing where you say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to have a great house. No. There must be faith. How do you get faith? Let a robber come with a gun into your house. I always say, and we get flack for that, that I will shoot. Okay. I'll use the name of Jesus afterwards. No. I don't know what I'll do. I've been in a situation like that. And uh, there I did use the name of Jesus. But I think now also if I have a gun, I will shoot. And um, uh, 
you know, and that is saying jokingly. And, you know, people get so upset about this nonsense. And then people say, oh, you know, we must turn the other cheek. Okay, so while they rape your daughter and your wife, you must turn the other cheek. The Bible says you are not even worth to live if you can protect your own family. You're not worth to live. Are you guys with me? You should be put against the wall with a gun against your head and the trigger should be pulled. Uh, jihad style. Now I'm joking, okay? And, uh, but this Bible says, what does the scripture says? If you can't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. What is an infidel? Are you guys with me? What happens to an infidel? So I'll just leave that with you. If you don't know if it's going over your head, go home and Google. Okay? So if I say that uh, somebody, sometimes somebody must just be shot dead, please. Don't, he's not Christian. What do you want? Do you want a fake preacher up here? And he is watching pornography at home. Beating up his wife. Uh, you know, uh, but he comes up here and pretends and smiles. I heard the most shocking thing this week, and I'm not allowed to repeat it, um, of somebody that's here in the city, you know, and uh, um, yeah, I'm not allowed to repeat it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, where has the anointing gone? You got to be kidding me. When you lose the anointing, the unction, you know, I went through a tough time because I had some sicknesses in my body. So people are like, oh, you see, it's the Satanists and it's the witches. And uh, please, I drank too much alcohol when I was, I had a certain thing that happened when I was young. And it took flame in my stomach and it burnt a part of my stomach. But then they did a surgery and uh, a hernia surgery. And then that surgery now began, it has torn open the last few years completely. So, and without knowing it, because I went to doctors and they said to me, it's not torn open. And finally now, after two years, three years, the last doctor said it is torn open completely. So when we thought it wasn't torn open, it was, and basically my stomach was sitting here. So I battled to preach, I battled to do all these things, and it was, it was tremendous pain. So now they got my right medicine, we have to do surgery again, but that'll... I'll leave it for next year. So, uh, but, um, you know, we went through, we went through things that is, that is, uh, that is, uh, yeah, that was a lot of pain. And to stand with that and try to preach, oh my goodness. Because when you preach, everything in your stomach, and especially by your diaphragm, when you move in the spirit, I'm not speaking about a dead teacher that's just standing and teaching. Okay. Uh, when you move in the spirit, your, your whole diaphragm, everything goes tight. Because it is out of here that the rivers of water, living water flow. So it puts strain on you. You know, and uh, that, uh, yeah, obviously made it, made it very worse. But, you know, when you, there's a difference with that and when someone's, when a preacher sins, the unction leaves them. The unction leaves them completely. And you can see that they lost their position. Or the influence. Are you guys with me? So, so give me 10 more minutes uh, so that I can finish this. Just tell them we'll be late on, on that side. Key, say with me the key of uh, the name of Jesus. Say with me the key of tithing. Or say the key of giving. 
Let me just read to you something here, or I'll paraphrase it. Malachi 3 verse 8, I don't have to put it on. The Bible says, bring the whole tithe and offering to the storehouse and test me now in this. But now listen to this wording, and I quote and unquote it. See now that I will not open, say with me, open, for you the windows of heaven. So there's a key that opens something. It is the key of giving. It is the key of tithing. The moment it does it, it opens a door, a dimension for you. Are you guys with me? I know it's not a hallelujah point, but say with you the key of giving. Once you receive the blessings of it, you'll be shouting a hallelujah big time. Okay. But uh, say the key of prophecy. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 verse 20 says, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. But believe in His prophets and you shall prosper. The key of prophecy and prophets is the same as the key of prosperity. The moment you believe in the word of a prophet, prosperity as a key is given to you. It is a key in the Spirit. Say with you the key of revelation. Which is when, he's, when Jesus said to Peter, Whatsoever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on this earth shall be loosed in heaven. Because this my Father in heaven revealed to you. Gave you via revelation. It's the key of revelation is the ability to bind and loose. To bind and loose means the moment I bind, heaven binds also. Heaven follows. If I permit, heaven permits. If I disallow, heaven disallows. If I permit, heaven permits. If I forbid, heaven forbids. But it's not the third heaven. You see, this is where people get confusing. They're like, but how can the heaven follow you? Not the third heaven. We're speaking about the second heaven. When you bind, you operate in the second heaven. You bind principalities or things that are permitting or operating or allowing things to happen. And when you loose, you loose, which means you allow or you permit, you bind, you forbid, you disallow. When you loose, when you allow things in the second heaven, that means angels can begin to come forth and heaven can begin to operate. But it is moving in the second heaven. We're not putting in rules in the third heaven. Of course, we can't control third heaven. Are you guys with me? So it just shows you when we speak, because I made the statement last week that heaven follows suit, that people just don't know the word. Because we had some bad comments and so on. No, never, never from our church, by the way. People, when people come in here to spy, they're very, very big cowards. They will never come after the service to come and talk to me. They're cowards. Or they won't come to the office. I think once we had, and uh, the guy ran, the second time we had, the guy said we beat him up. He said, we, we, we beat him up. I held him and Chris hit him. Now, I don't know why I didn't hit him and Chris held him. I don't know. But, but yeah, you got some mental, mental patience as Christians. So with the key of revelation. So there's a lost keys that, and the keys of the king. Let me just touch on the two or three other ones, which is the main one. Say the key of death which is the key of Hades, the key of death, hell, and the grave. It is the key of the spirit of death. This is the key that when you are not a believer, that the spirit of death follows you and awaits you by your deathbed. When you are a believer, when you are at your deathbed, trust me, angels are there. When you are not a believer, 
that place is filled with demons. You'll be full of fear. You'll lie there and shake and look into eternity as darkness. But when you're saved, your energy levels are going up in that moment close to death and you'll begin to see angels standing here. Are you guys with me? I've been with people that were just at the moment of their passing. Go with me to Revelation. Or let me just read. Revelation 9 verse 1 says, The fifth angel sounded and a star fell from heaven. To him was given the key to the bottomless pits. Revelation 1 verse 18 says, Jesus says, I have the keys of death and Hades, death, hell, and the grave. Are you guys with me? He took it back from Satan, meaning that once we get that key, and we don't get the key to overcome death, we've already overcome death as, a, as a, the physical death. We will die physically, but not spiritually. But when you have that key, you have the ability to unlock satanic warehouses where the enemy has stolen things from you and bring it back. It is the place of Hades where he captures things of you in the spirit. Are you guys with me? Say with the key of knowledge. Luke 11 verse 52. Luke 11 verse 52. Says, woe to you lawyers. Let me change that to the, 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 in a different translation. They can keep this one up, but let me just change it. It says, woe to you experts of the law. So this has got nothing to do with lawyers. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and those who were entering you hindered. This means that men of God have keys. Are you guys with me? And there are people that can allow or disallow you from entering into something. If I'm a church and I don't preach the prophetic and I don't preach about dimensions or spiritual things, I am, I am blocking you from entering into a realm and dimension that can bring substance to your Christianity. Are you guys with me? So let's go to the last one just for the time's sake. Go through Isaiah 22 verse 22. Isaiah 22 verse 22. Zerano. Say with you the key of David. Say it again. Say the key of David. The key of the house of David. I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open. And no one shall shut. And he shall shut. And no one shall open. Are you guys with me? And this scripture is in context where the Bible is speaking about God saying, I'm going to remove Shebna. Shebna was a political figure and administrator of that day. And Shebna locked up all the treasures and locked up things so that the people of God could not be prospering. And then the Lord says, I'm going to remove Shebna. And I'm going to put it into, replace him with a, with a person called Elakayim, I think. Elakayim, I think. Elakim. Elakayim. I'm going to replace him with Elakayim. And I will give Elakayim the key of David. That this key will give him the ability that whatever he opens will remain open. Whatever he shuts will remain shut. That the, when, what Shebna did to the administration and to my people will not happen again. Are you guys with me? That when the key of David comes into a country, it is somebody that is raised up politically, that has the ability to open doors and shut doors. 
When it is coming upon your life in business, in things, you have the ability to unlock and get into access into something which no man can shut for you. It doesn't matter if there's jealous businessmen or jealous people at work. They will not be able to shut it. Why? You have been given the key of David. But how does keys come? Say with me, Revelation. Say it again, say revelation. How does a revelation come? A revelation comes with an encounter with God. Revelation is required before we enter a dimension, unlocked by a key. Stand to your feet wherever you are, stand to your feet. Let's raise your hands, raise your hands. Father, I pray, let the anointing saturate this place. Let your people have a revelation of keys in the name of Jesus Christ. Let dimensions be opened for them. Let the power of God rest upon them. Let heaven flow through. Let the keys of the kingdom, the keys of death, hell and the grave, the keys of knowledge, and the keys of David be given to them. Let it come by revelation. Let revelation be increased upon their lives. Let dimensions be opened. Let the anointing be tangible upon them, even this morning. Let it bring a fresh hunger. Activate them. Impart into them to multiply and to be fruitful when it comes to the things of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give a praise offering to you.